0: I'm Jim Santos, and this is the International Living Podcast. In this podcast series, we introduce you to a bigger world full of communities that are safe, welcoming, beautiful, and sometimes undiscovered. A better world, too. A friendly, warm, great value world where you can live richer, travel more, invest for profit, and enjoy a better life. So let's get started.
1: Hello everybody and welcome once again to the International Living Podcast. Today's show is a little bit of a departure as we do not have a guest. As our regular listeners know, Rita and I are currently testing out roving retirement with a rather ambitious nine-week romp around parts of Europe. In fact, as I record this show, we are in a nice one-bedroom apartment in the heart of Vienna, Austria, the city of music. Next we're off to five days in Prague, two weeks exploring the coast of Croatia, a week in Barcelona, and four nights in Lisbon before heading back to the U.S. for the holidays. We've already visited Greece and just came from a weekend in the city I want to share with you today, Istanbul, capital of the Republic of Turkey. Now whenever we talked about our itinerary with family and friends, the city that evoked the response, ooh, I always wanted to go there, was hands down Istanbul. We also heard some concerns about how dangerous it might be to visit such an exotic place. I've received emails from friends of the show asking about this fabled city, so I thought I would take the opportunity to share with you our experience there, what we did right, where we made mistakes, and what we would do differently. First, a little perspective and a bit of a disclaimer. Although we spent seven nights there and walked an average of six miles a day, sometimes closer to nine, you must keep in mind that Istanbul is huge, like a population of 15 million huge. The urban area covers almost 1,000 square miles, and the metro area twice that. We saw nothing of the rest of Turkey, which has a plethora of interesting areas and historic sites outside of the city. Our explorations were mostly confined to the historic center, or Old Town. What you're hearing now is a sound that we heard five times a day, as the muezzins called the faithful to prayer. It certainly added to the atmosphere of Old Town, as we walked the cobblestone streets and saw a wild mix of architecture, spanning at least 2,000 years and combining Byzantium, Greek, Roman, and Islamic styles. Our Airbnb was well placed. We were in the Sultan Ahmet neighborhood, which is literally around the corner from the Hippodrome, which was used for horse racing and circuses back even before the Constantinople days, about 1,800 years or so ago, when the city was known as Byzantium. Today it is the Sultan Atmet Square, and home to the Obelisk of Theodosius, and the public walkway to access many of the tourist attractions. The Blue Mosque was almost directly behind our room, and the famous Hagia Sophia just a few blocks away. We also had plenty of restaurants to choose from, and convenience stores. One potential issue resolved itself right away. We had learned a bit of Greek on the first part of our trip, and I had even started being able to read a few Greek words but Turkish looked to be quite difficult. Fortunately, just about everyone we ran into spoke at least some English, and communication was not a problem. Many of the signs were also captioned in English, as were the menus. So, back to our accommodations. The location, like I said, was great, but one thing we should have looked into more closely was the number of stairs to access our room. Luckily, staff was available to carry our luggage up when we arrived and bring it back down when we left. But winding staircases are not popular amongst us post-retirement-age folks. Also, a big reason we are using Airbnbs on this trip, besides the fact that they are tending to be half the price or less the cost of a hotel, is that we have a kitchen and a washing machine available as well. This saves us some money as we can have breakfast or lunch at home, bring back leftovers, and travel with a minimal amount of clothing. Unfortunately, in this unit, we shared a kitchen with six other rooms. It was very small and hot, and there was not really a place to sit and eat. Worse, to get to it, we had to navigate one of those twisting stairways of death. Finally, the washing machine, being shared by seven rooms, was filthy inside and did not work well, leaving our clothes soaking wet when it was done. No dryer, which isn't that uncommon in Europe, but also no place to hang the clothes to dry. We were forced to take two loads to a nearby laundry, which was fast and efficient, but charged a ridiculous amount of money for the service. The best part of our location, as I said, is that we were able to walk to many great sites, and I'll get to a few in a minute. But first I need to point out some things to be careful of when walking around Old Town Istanbul. You must be very careful as a pedestrian. I did not see a single traffic light in Old Town, and in fact there were no stop signs either. There were some one-way and do-not-enter signs, but these were routinely ignored especially by motorcycles and other two-wheeled vehicles. It is important to stay alert at all times because bikes and cycles can appear out of nowhere, moving in either direction on either side of the street. And don't think you are safe if you're on the sidewalk, either. Motorcycles will pop up onto them if the streets are full and cut across pedestrian walkways when convenient. Not to mention that sometimes cars and buses consider the sidewalk an excellent place to park. Add to this throngs of tourists of all nationalities speaking a host of languages. Istanbul hosted 50 million tourists in 2022. And a stroll to the museum can be quite an adventure. That leads me to my first tip for visiting Istanbul. Avoid the high tourist season, which runs from June to August. Now this makes no sense to me as those are also the hottest months of the year, but that's when you'll find the most people. The weather is much nicer and prices a little lower if you go in the fall and the spring. But even so, expect crowds. We found that since Istanbul is a popular cruise ship stop, it also is a good idea to plan on getting to the big attractions, either early in the morning or later in the day. By 10 a.m., bus after bus is disgorging cruisers, and things get busy very quickly. We arrived late on a Thursday, so our first full day was a Friday. Another mistake on our part, as Friday is a holy day, and tourists cannot enter the mosques until after 2.30. By that time, the lines put any Disney attraction you've been to to shame. Our solution to this problem was to instead go visit the Basilica Cistern. You may have seen this ancient underground water system in the movie Inferno, based on the Dan Brown book, or the Bond flick from Russia with Love. An amazing place, and we were helped by poor signage. It is right across the street from the Hagia Sophia, but it takes a while for tourists to discover it, as it's not marked particularly well. Entrances through a rather nondescript-looking yellow building that only has a small sign near the door that says that it's the entrance to the Basilica cistern. Also in the Hippodrome is the Hagia Sophia History Museum, which provides a wonderful historic summary of the various phases of the structure, presented in an audiovisual format as you move from room to room and era to era. It was a little pricey at 51 euros each, but hey, how often are you in Istanbul? On the subject of prices, it is possible to buy an Istanbul e-pass to get you into a bunch of museums for a set price, 149 euro per person for five days, for instance, but much of what we wanted to see was free. For example, we had a great time walking around the Grand Bazaar, the Egyptian Bazaar, also known as the spice market, and didn't pay any fees at all. Well, we did end up buying some Turkish delight, fresh pistachios at the Grand Bazaar, and a variety pack of spices, yet hey, we're only human. The background you hear going now is from our stroll in one of the busier sections of the Grand Bazaar, which seems to go on forever. Both markets are indoors, under beautiful dome ceilings and arches, so they are great rainy day spots as well. Saturday we got up early and went directly to the Hagia Sophia after breakfast, arriving at 9 a.m. just in time to queue up behind about 1,500 other early risers. Which I know sounds bad, but by the time the line started moving at 9.30, there were at least another 1,500 behind us. It moved along quickly, though, and the mosque is quite large and holds an amazing number of people. So we could still feel the awe and enjoy the splendor of this incredible structure. The crowd was generally quiet and reverent as well, so it was a surprisingly peaceful setting. A couple of pointers for visiting the Sofia, and indeed any mosque or holy area. Proper dress is required. Men must wear pants, no shorts, no bare shoulders. Women must wear pants or dresses below the knees and no bare shoulders, and also must cover their hair to enter. Shawls are provided for free if you did not bring something to wear. Another consideration, you have to take off your shoes and store them on a shelf system before entering. So it is a good idea to wear shoes that slip on and off easily. We tried to do the Blue Mosque on the same day, but by the time we emerged from the Hagia Sophia, the lines were too big to consider. Here we had success by waiting until later in the day, when most people had gone off in search of dinner, or to return to their cruise ships. We visited the Topkapi Palace and Harem, several other museums, and really just enjoyed walking around and soaking up the cultures. It seemed like the styles of the area changed every time you rounded a new corner, and there was always something new and different to see. As far as prices in restaurants, we found it generally to be pretty reasonable for a tourist area. A couple can have lunch for 20 to $30 and dinner for two with drinks between 40 and $50. We had been warned of price gouging for bottled water, but most places were charging only 10 to 20 Turkish lira for them, about 35 to 70 cents. Speaking of money, it is helpful to have some Turkish lira, but the exchange rate of one Turkish lira to about 3.5 cents makes it a bit unwieldy. Most places were happy to take credit cards, although some frowned on American Express, and restaurants and cabs also welcomed Euros. Contrary to our usual touring practice, we did sign up for one tour group. A dinner cruise on the Bosphorus that included shows featuring a whirling dervish, a few other ethnic dancers, a knife-throwing act, and a belly dancer. Of sorts. I don't think traditional belly dancers encouraged admirers to stuff bills in their various crevices. It was a little hokey to tell the truth, but for $50 each, including meal, alcoholic beverages, and transportation to and from the dock, it was still a pleasant diversion, and the views of the city at night were quite beautiful. An interesting thing about the cruise highlights what a cosmopolitan city Istanbul remains to this day. At our table, visitors from the U.S., Switzerland, Peru, and Poland were represented. The MC did a little musical tribute as an opening, playing a little music from each country present and encouraging the representatives to dance, and that included at least two dozen different parts of the globe. One thing we definitely wanted to do was take advantage of an interesting fact about Istanbul. The city actually straddles two continents. The Bosphorus Strait marks the boundary between Europe and Asia, so naturally the nerd and me had to take the ferry across the river to have lunch in Asia. We walked to the Eminonu port, where there's a ferry that runs about every fifteen minutes, depositing us at Katakoy on the Asian side of Istanbul. I was surprised to find that there actually were some noticeable differences. Not just the style of architecture, but the local trams were a different design, and there were desserts and meal choices that hadn't been displayed on the European side. We did indeed find the Karakoy market area and had a fine lunch before saying goodbye to Asia and returning to Europe. The ferry cost just 10 Turkish lira each way, about 36 cents. And you don't need to buy tickets, you can just tap a credit card at the turnstiles. So to sum up the trip, would we ever want to live in Istanbul? Well, I can say without reservation that the answer is a hard no. We really enjoyed seeing it as tourists, but for us 15 million people is just too big of a city. I would say, however, that we always felt safe walking about, even after dark. Except, of course, for the kamikaze motorcyclist. And the locals we met and interacted with were all very friendly. What would we do differently? Well, for one thing, make sure there are fewer stairs to our room. Starting our trip on a Saturday might have been better, but you also have to keep in mind that many museums and attractions are closed on Tuesdays. And on reflection, I think we should have planned for one or two fewer days in Istanbul, and maybe one or two more days in Vienna. But that's a story for another day. So that's it for now. I've enjoyed sharing with you some info on our recent stay in Istanbul, Turkey. I'd like to thank you for listening and look for more about Istanbul and our travels in upcoming articles in the magazine and on the International Living website at internationalliving.com.
0: The International Living Podcast is a production of International Living. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have an idea for an episode or a question you'd like us to answer, email us at mailbag@internationalliving.com And don't forget to put "podcast" in the subject line of your email. That's mailbag at We created the International Living Podcast to help showcase the ideas we explore in the magazine and our other publications each month and to grow our community of travel lovers, expats and experts who believe as we do that the world is full of opportunity to create a more interesting, more international life. You don't have to be rich and famous to do that. You just need to know the secrets and that's what we bring you at International Living. If you haven't become a member yet, you can do it today with a special discount offer for podcast listeners. You'll receive our monthly magazine, plus a bundle of special extras. You'll find the link in our show notes, where you can go to intliving.com podcast. That's intliving.com podcast.
1: Next week, I'll tell you about another stop on our European tour, the majestic city of Vienna, Austria. Until then, this is Jim Santos with the International Living Podcast reminding you, There's a bigger, better world out there just waiting for you.